going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the jwb redraft ramp up where we give you consumable redraft perspective to help you crush all of your leagues i am wyatt here again to talk about some preseason takeaways this time for the last week of the preseason now the weird thing here about this last week is it's hard to get as much in actual information as we've had previously because there are some teams who just have their third and fourth stringers out there for the entire game just to give some roster spots or so they can showcase their skills as they know they're going to get cut and maybe they can play for a job somewhere else so again not as much this week but like always, I'm not doing this in any particular order. I'm just kind of rattling off the things that I saw going through the data, going through watching these games uh, this week. There's still one game to be played, Houston and New Orleans, as I'm recording this. So I don't have the information on that game, but we'll talk about the rest, what I've got for those. Um, real quick, before I actually jump into these players, I just want to say, if you if you enjoy the content that we've been putting out here at JWB, please subscribe to our YouTube. Uh, it means everything to us. It's one of the best ways to support us. really helps us continue to do all the great content that we're trying to put out for all of you. But let's jump right on in. First off, the Steelers. I don't know how to put it another way. They look really good. I mean, you have to take a grain of salt with it because it is the preseason, but they look quite good right now. Kenny Pickett, I think looks like almost a different player. I mean, there were signs of this at the end of last year. The Steelers were much better in EPA per play. They, they were second, to the, I believe, to the Chiefs in like yards per drive over the second half of the year. Uh, so there were signs they're going to be good. But, you know, Kenny Pickett what, didn't love him as a prospect. We as a team didn't really love him as a prospect. Uh, older prospect, which is not good. And didn't show a whole lot as a rookie. Um, showed some signs, but like, only seven touchdowns as a rookie. It's just, things didn't look that great. I do think he looks a lot better, more comfortable um, throwing some really impressive balls down the middle of the field or to the sidelines. George Pickens has looked unguardable in one-on-one -on -one situations, still not really creating separation, but for there's players like George Pickens where it does not matter that they don't create a lot of separation in their route because they're so good to catch point. That's George Pickens. Um, so I've actually been in on the Steelers offense a little bit this offseason because I thought all the prices were pretty good for the players. Um, and I'm at this point kind of getting excited that I did still get in on them, uh, liking the individual players, uh, even though I wasn't really a Kenny Pickett fan. Um, there's a chance Kenny Pickett, you know, is a streaming QB this year. I can't rule that out. Uh, moving on to the Colts, where we need to talk about this running back situation. Obviously, we know Jonathan Taylor wants out of that team. I think that that's a really good chance it's going to happen. This isn't one of those, I'm unhappy with my contract. I want to find a new contract. Please trade me. This is, I can't stand the owner. <laughs> I want off this team. I will not play for this team anymore, which makes me think the deal will get done at some point, whether it's before the season or not. Uh, I have a hard time envisioning Jonathan Taylor finishing the season on the Indianapolis Colts. Now, Zach Moss was presumed to be the backup running back to Jonathan Taylor, but he's been out with an injury. That injury might linger on into the season. In fact, I believe it will. So that's really been up to Deion Jackson and Evan Hull to see who would start while Zach Moss is out and while Jonathan Taylor possibly doesn't play or gets traded or whatever. Um, Deion Jackson been with the team last year. Uh, good size, speed combo, pretty good receiver. As a runner is okay, I think. Uh, he's been getting the first crack. He started the last two games. It looks like he does have the leg up on Evan Hall. I do want to say, though, like, I don't know if Deion Jackson holds his spot over Evan Hall the entire time. Evan Hall 
Um, also good size speed combo, not quite as big as Deion Jackson, but fine size for an NFL running back. Highly productive in college, albeit at a lower school or smaller school, but also has good pass game chops and higher draft capital than Deion Jackson. So I think there's this chance that Evan Hall overtakes Deion Jackson at some point, but still we don't know what's going to happen with Zach Moss. I think either Deion Jackson or Evan Hall can overtake Zach Moss because truthfully, I don't think Zach Moss is that good of a player. He's one of these running backs who's really good at breaking tackles, but like nothing else. And it only gets you so far because if you have zero explosiveness like Zach Moss, you can break a bunch of tackles, but it's only for four yards. And that's not the best thing in the world. Uh, Bryce Young and Jordan Love each showed this week that they might add something with their legs this year, which was a question we had for both QBs. Bryce Young, we know that he has some athleticism, but he's so small and he never really had to do it in college. We weren't sure that he would actually run in the NFL. Both him and Love this week had three carries for 21 yards. If they're adding that, um, that's a big deal. Jordan Love has the size, has the athleticism. It's just he's another one. Never really shown that he's a runner or plans to run. But showing that they can do this, albeit in a preseason game, changes the range of outcomes for QBs like that. When you're not expecting any um, rushing floor, those QBs have to be elite passers for us to actually really care about them in one QB leagues uh, because there's outside of like being a streamer because there's just not enough production to get there. But if they're adding two to three points with their legs a week, that changes the range of outcomes. They go from being maybe only a streaming option to like this person has back end QB one in their range of outcomes, not necessarily a high percentage outcome, but it's in the range. Uh, over with the Chargers, it looks like Joshua Kelly has really run away from Isaiah Spiller, pun intended, as he busted off a 75-yard touchdown run in this game. And it was a well-blocked play. Got to say that. Like, you've got to give some credit to Joshua Kelly, but it was a very well-blocked play. Uh, he didn't have to make too many moves to make this touchdown happen. But the point is that he actually has the explosiveness to rattle off a 75-yard touchdown run like that, whereas Isaiah Spiller just really does not. And I think that's a big deal for a Chargers offense that truthfully lacks some explosiveness. Uh, their offense as a whole is actually kind of slow. Uh, Mike Williams is not burning anybody. Keelan Allen has never burned anybody. That's not his game. Quentin Johnston is okay for his size. Uh, you know, Mike Williams is okay for size. But these aren't speed threats, okay? And that's something that's uh, been a problem for them. So having a player like Joshua Kelly who has this in his bag, who can rattle off a play like this if it's blocked for him, is a big deal. I think he's clearly locked in being the handcuff to Austin Eckler, which is an important thing because if anything happens to Austin Eckler, it's going to be a valuable position. Uh, Deshaun Watson and the Browns offense uh, finally showed some life, which honestly they struggled to do this preseason, the first team offense when they're, they've been out there. I think Deshaun Watson is still knocking off a little bit of the rust. Now, we as a team here at JWB have stayed in on Sean Watson, looking at the his, his history, always been a top five QB in points per game as long as he's been starting outside of those six games last year. Uh, we're still in on him. I thought this was good. He was making some um, throws that reminded you of D Deshaun Watson prior to everything that happened with him that I'm not going to get into right now, especially the touchdown throw to David Njoku, who was uh, – being covered fairly well and Sean Watson put in the exact spot and needed to be for Njoku to reach out and grab it for the touchdown. He also then had 
the scramble drill play where he found Amari Cooper deep for a really long play. And those are kinds of plays that were not happening in the Browns offense, um, which is, a I, I mentioned because it's like a boon for the weapons in that offense that they can have these scramble drill plays that just weren't going to happen at all in the Browns offense previously. Uh, Damian Harris finally returned for the Bills and he immediately vultures a touchdown away from James Cook, which is one of the reasons why I've been off on James Cook all offseason. Because even though it looks like he is going to be their kind of their guy, their number one running back, whether that's 1A to a 1B or whatever, his touchdown upside is just not really there. With Josh Allen and a player like Damian Harris there, it's hard to imagine James Cook getting any real red zone touchdown red or goal line opportunities. Like they got to the red zone, Damian Harris came in and then eventually got the touchdown. That's really important. If James Cook is just getting a lot of opportunities between the 20s, this is what we call empty touches uh, because they're just not high uh, opportunity touches and not that like per, get you a lot of fast points. I'm sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over my words here. If he gets enough receptions, James Cook can still be a nice running back at cost to kind of give you this floor, but he's not going to break out on his cost and be this like high upside, high league winning play because you draft him at RB29, RB28, whatever, and he's RB24. Like, that doesn't matter for our teams. We want players in that range who could be RB15, RB12. And to me, James Cook is just not that because of this low touchdown upside. Garrett Wilson, primed for that second-year breakout. Uh, he's being drafted as such. We've all basically at this team have been saying that it's going to come. I mean, the fantasy community as a whole has really been saying that it's going to come, especially up the rookie year he had and then Aaron Rodgers coming to town. But I, I mentioned this because you saw the shades of the things that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams did with the Packers in this game, this first game of them playing together in the preseason. Like there's the uh, one of Garrett Wilson's targets, uh, which he had three of them for 30 yards and, or for three catches, 30 yards and a touchdown while Aaron Rodgers was out, also drew a 22-yard pass interference call. But you saw this play where Aaron Rodgers used to do this with Devontae Adams a lot, where he sees that the cornerback is playing an off coverage from Devontae Adams, in this case, Garrett Wilson. And whatever the play is, doesn't matter. He, he just snaps it, and immediately they recognize this. He immediately throws it over to Garrett Wilson because the cornerback's off so much. Garrett Wilson can just make a play happen. Uh, and in that case, Garrett Wilson got a first down. It was, it was 10 yards to go and he got a first down. And like, these are big plays uh, because that's lots of easy receptions, easy yards that they're just going to continuously do over and over again when they had this kind of mind meld. The other one was on the touchdown throw. It was just a beautiful pinpoint pass right over top of the DB. Garrett Wilson just snatches it out of the air. It's a beautiful play. Like, these are the kind of plays in the red zone that you used to see with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I'm not saying that Garrett Wilson's going to have a Devontae Adams-esque season, but like it is in the range of outcomes, and we need to recognize that uh, he could have a huge, huge year too. Moving on to Chris Godwin, who is pretty obviously Baker Mayfield's safety blanket. In this, this last game, Baker Mayfield attempted six passes. On those passes, Chris Godwin had four targets, four receptions, 30 yards, and a touchdown. Okay. Say what you want about Baker Mayfield. One thing he's actually been able to do is support a slot receiver like Chris Godwin. He did it with Jarvis Landry in his time with Cleveland. And I think this is a bad team. 
probably not going to be a great offense, but I think they're still going to have to pass a lot. And that helps Chris Godwin. I think, you know, you can have reasons for concern with the offense, with the players, in the offense in general. I have no concerns about Chris Godwin because I expect him to be heavily, heavily targeted. And he's a really good player. Um, in Cincinnati, Chris Evans looks to have locked up the backup running job behind Joe Mixon. Uh, after sitting out this final preseason game in which their starters rested, Chase Brown played in this game, which shows that he's clearly behind Chris Evans at this point. Travion Williams has been injured, and uh, he's been in the league long enough that not having done anything to this point, I think it's pretty easy to say that he's not going to do anything at this point. Chris Evans was a nice prospect coming into the NFL, although drafted pretty late. He didn't have a very good college career, but he was one of those pro- like uh, recruits who was well thought of going to Michigan, um, has the size, athleticism, is a good receiver, has all those things, but didn't come out well in prospect modeling or by the NFL because he really didn't do anything in Michigan, which had a really bad system at the time. It's easy to make excuses. I realize you still have to you know, adjust your priors when he gets drafted in the NFL really late, which we did, but... I know I make all these notes because he's an NFL size and athleticism running back who has passing game chops and Cincinnati seems intent on not playing Joe Mixon on third downs. I think Chris Evans is a good late round target. The Jaguars offense might just be one of the true elite offenses of the entire NFL this year. I'm like, they might be talked about in the same breath as the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, uh, Eagles this year with the addition of Calvin Ridley. Uh, the 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 ascension of Trevor Lawrence, the drafting addition to the backfield with Tank Bigsby. We already got Travis Etienne there, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. Everything like this offense could absolutely explode. Whenever they've been on the field this preseason, it's been just easy for them. Uh, they they can't be stopped really. Which yeah, it's preseason, but because we know the quality of offense they were that last year, and how this is still a really young offense that's improving and they're on the way up. This everyone on this offense could be good picks at their value, and it would not surprise me. Lastly, Marvin Mims making the breakout, making his name known in this last preseason game, catching an incredible 50-yard bomb in double coverage. And this is really highlights what Marvin Mims was coming into the NFL. Really good prospect who is a, at his best going down the field, uh, which I think is important for the Broncos with Jerry Judy dealing with a hamstring injury, Cortland Sutton really never looking the same ever since his ACL injury and Russell Wilson liking to throw it deep. Marvin Mims could be in for a really big year. If you've been paying attention to any of my content this offseason, especially on Twitter, I've been talking a lot about Marvin Mims because I think there's a realistic chance that he is just the best weapon on the Broncos offense this year. Not saying it's going to happen, but we have to recognize that it could happen. I also think like the most realistic thing is actually he's the number two target on the offense when Jerry Judy's healthy. And that's a great thing to have for his cost going really cheap in drafts right now. I talked about him on our sleepers episode I did with Tyler. He was one of the people I picked. He was his ADP was wide receiver 81, according to fantasy data at that time. Like this is just this is like a late round pick who might be, you know, a flex play every week at this point. Um, so definitely go in and uh, get some Marvin Mims on your team. It's going to wrap things up for today. Before I get out of here, I got a few things for you in the description of this video. You'll find a link to our free discord where we're running redraft mock drafts all the way up to the season. Help you get ready for your leagues. You'll find our discord or our 
Patreon where you can find all of our bonus content. Uh, I've been saying it every show, but I keep saying it because I think it's an incredible offer for a dollar a week. You can have every start sit question you have answered by us in our Discord. If you want to play on Underdog Fantasy, you can sign up with Code JDB for a first-time deposit match up to $100. It's the best place to play best ball, and Best Ball Mania 4 is still going on. Have your chance at a $3 million grand prize. Sign up with that code for that first-time deposit match. Lastly, we've got our Clips catalog in the description that lists every player take we've ever done on our channel alphabetically and chronologically with a hyperlink for each one that we've done. It's just a fantastic resource that you won't find anywhere else. But that's going to wrap things up for today. Like I said, like, subscribe, follow, all those things. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time.